Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Well, hello. Good morning. Um, so, my name is Sam, and until January, I, I was the student worker here at uh, Greyfriars, um, which was amazing, but I got a new job, um, and I went to work for a charity called the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity, um, or LICC is probably um, a better way of phrasing it. Alyssa's just alluded to them there um, with one of the books that she recommended. Um, and uh, you may be thinking, well, what do LICC do? And that's really fair. Um, and LICC are interested in helping Christians um, see that the whole of their life matters to God. And as I'm looking out, I'm seeing a few people who may have been at Bite a couple of weeks ago um, where I was talking about some of the same stuff, okay? Um, so if you were there that night, um, then you'll just have to pretend that you're hearing it all for the first time again. Um, so this, I, I, I would love to start by praying. Um, because this is our new sermon series called Frontline Sundays. LICC have made it uh, for churches to use like this. So five Sundays in a row to hear about what you do um, and to find out what you do and how it matters to God. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray that your words at the end of Matthew's gospel would convince us this morning that what we do somehow, some way, matters. Amen. So these words at the end of Matthew are indeed a great commission and a great invitation. Um, and I love the word commission because it, it just conveys and it infers so much responsibility. And I wonder how you feel when you are given responsibility. And we're given responsibility every day. We are commissioned every day, but we just don't really call it that. Um, we may be commissioned with a project at work. We may be commissioned to be left in charge of someone else's kids. Um, maybe sorting something out for someone's birthday party. Um, and I want to tell you about a time when I was commissioned to do something. Um, so uh, if we can wind the clock back to 2015, I'm a member of my university uh, my University of East Anglia, my university's Christian Union, okay? So I've turned up um, at UEA, I've got involved with the CU there, um, and I'm part of a meeting, and I'm sat there with people who are um, involved in planning the next terms, uh, or the next, I, I don't know, however it used to work, but it, essentially an alpha series was, was going to happen. And so we were sat there, and we were meeting, and we were talking about how we're going to make it look great. Um, and some people were throwing ideas out. People were saying, oh, well, we need to have tablecloths, clearly. We need to have tablecloths. Yeah, yeah, good. Someone's got tablecloths. We can use them. All good. Someone else says, uh, we need to have bunting, because we're Christians. That's what we do, apparently. So um, someone goes, yes, of course, because it's a room full of Christians. About 10 hands go up and say, we've got bunting, um, and that was fine. Um, and then the last thing that someone said was, oh, wouldn't it be really good if we had some tea lights to put on the tables? Um, and someone went, yeah, that'd be, that'd be really good. That'd be a really good idea. Um, and then, uh, who's got any tea lights? No, no hands go up. No, no one's got any tea lights. Someone needs to go and get some. Um, and I'm sat there as an 18, 19-year-old lad, and I'm thinking, I've got to prove myself in this, in this area. So I put my hand up, and I say, I will go, and I will get the tea lights. Don't worry. Um, if we can go to the next slide, Ella. Now, this, of course, is what tea lights are. Um, not that I knew. Okay? So... I headed out to Wilco with um, 
the, the budget for the CU at my disposal, okay? If you, ever, if you were involved with the CU at your university, you'll know that the budget is quite a tight thing. And the, the treasurer, who was a very good friend of mine, um, was not keen to spend money where we didn't need to spend it, okay? So I went out to buy supposedly some of these, but I didn't know what they were. So I enter Wilco, and I think, right, what's going to be good? Tea lights, tea lights. And I'm just thinking lights in my head. Um, so I'm looking around, and obviously the first thing I pick up is, uh, if we go to the next slide, um, 40 solar-powered outdoor uh, butterfly multicolored fairy lights. And so I, I pick them up, again, not knowing what a tea light is. Um, and I'm, I'm heading to the tills to buy them in Wilco. And just as I'm doing so, something's nagging me in the back of my head. And I'm like, hmm, is this going to be right? And I decide no, so I go back and I get another box. Um, so I bought, <laughs> I bought two boxes of outdoor, multicolored, solar-powered, butterfly fairy lights. Um, at a cost of £50 uh, <laughs> to the Christian Union. Um, and I presented the, the receipt at our next meeting to the treasurer, who kind of went white as a sheet um, and sent me back to return them <laughs> with my tail between my legs. Um, I was commissioned to buy tea lights, yeah? And I somehow managed to mess it up. I didn't understand how simple what we needed was. So I, I mean, this, this kind of event thing undersells it, but I thought we needed something like this, yeah? And I think when we read this, this passage in, in Matthew's gospel, um, we can get really fussed with how we read it and we think, oh, there's, there's so much that I'm supposed to be doing that I'm not doing. And we can really overcomplicate it in our heads to disciple all nations, to baptize them, to lead them into obedience. Is that really hard? And the answer is no. It's just as simple as a tea light, and that's going to light. There we go. That's it. That's how simple this commission is. Did you know? And I think what we're going to try and do over the next five Sundays is help you all understand how what you're doing already is obeying Jesus' words in this passage. And we don't have to worry about being 40 outdoor solar-powered butterfly fairy lights. But it's just as simple as being a tea light wherever we are. Today in the United Kingdom, Around 6% of the UK go to church regularly. If anything, I think that number's a bit generous. And when LICC put all this together and they made all the promotional materials and the visuals, that was probably around correct. Um, but the results of the, the most recent census suggest, if anything, it's a little bit lower. Um, but for the purposes of today, we're going to say that 6% of people have heard and responded to the gospel truth of Jesus Christ, that he came into the world as the Son of God, he lived, died, and rose again. And I want others to know that truth. And I think you, some of you, might do as well, and I really hope you do. So how are we to do that? How are we to, as Jesus says in our passage, go into all the world, make disciples, baptize them, and lead them into obedience? And we might picture it to be something like this. Next slide, please, Ella. Thank you. 
So we might think that we're kind of off in the corner, okay? We're kind of sectioned off as the Christians in society. So we've got 100 dots here. We've got 94 grey ones and six red ones for the 6% of people in the UK who attend church regularly. But if you think about how much time we physically spend in that place, it's actually not loads, is it? So we might... Uh, we, well, we come to church on a Sunday and we spend a few hours here. We might go to uh, a midweek small group. We might volunteer at something else during the week. But actually, we're not spending, I reckon, more than 5% of the time during our week in this space. So when we're thinking about what does it mean to reach the nation, what does it mean to reach Reading, actually thinking about it like this, although it may be the thing that our mind defaults to when we hear the 6% number, it's probably not accurate. So where are we instead? Well, we're actually 95% of the time here. Next slide, please, Ella. That's where we are. When Jesus says, make disciples of all nations, when he says, make disciples of people out there in the world, the first thing you have to do is go. And look, you've gone. You're already there. That's where you're spending 95% of your week. This looks like work. This looks like traveling on the train to get there. Um, it looks like going to the football. It looks like going down the pub. It looks like waiting at the school gate. It looks like all the different things that you do during the week that make up most of the time that you spend awake are in this space. There's a choice facing Christians today. Um, and there's been a choice facing Christians throughout the entirety of the history of the church about what we're going to do once we say yes to Jesus. And the first choice is um, to just, uh, yeah, gaze upon the majesty of Jesus and how perfect he is, and then to look at the brokenness and the fallenness and the sinfulness of the world and decide the two uh, shall not meet and that you have to hide away um, and become a hermit and just focus on your own holiness and try and do what you have to do to get into heaven, Okay. This was the preferred option of a group called the Benedictines. If we go to our next slide, please. Um, so there's a really good book about it as well um, called The Benedictine Option. Um, but essentially, it's the idea that when the... So if, if you kind of go back through church history, these were uh, monks who were uh, monks, nuns in, in monasteries um, who have decided that the beauty of, of Christ and and Everything about that means that they can't exist in the world and they have to, uh, yeah, board themselves up inside the monastery uh, and focus on the rule of life, which is, uh, yeah, sleeping, uh, praying, worshipping, um, and doing simple work there inside the monastery. And that was what they did. It's still an option today, I think. And I think sometimes that's the one that we can tend towards. It's just easier not to say anything, is it? It's easier to, to keep your head down when it might be risky to say something about who Jesus is. I understand. I really do. But then there's another option as well, I think. And this option is called the Franciscan option. And the Franciscans were a group of monks and nuns again who actually decided that what they needed to do was to focus on the rule of life, yes, similar to the Benedictines, about having the regular routine of prayer and work and, and, and worship, but actually they needed to exist in the world, that they needed to minister to the poor, that people needed to hear and, and see the good news of Jesus reflected both in their words, yes, but also in their actions, 
And I thought at this point, so I had a picture here uh, to illustrate a Benedictine monastery. And I thought about getting a picture to illustrate a Franciscan monastery, but I decided not to because you're in one. Look around. 800 years of history on this site. The Franciscans, the Franciscan monks arrived in Reading in 1233 and by 1311 the monastery on this site where we're sat now was ready. Their plan was to be gathered here, yeah, but for the purpose of going out there. And 800 years later our vision in this church is the same. We gather here for the sake of going out there. We meet here to celebrate and to learn, but we do so to go out through those doors and even if it's just in a small way, transform the places we are, transform the front lines where we as people who have uh, been convinced and are living in the truth of Jesus are encountering people who are not living in the truth of Jesus. Those are our front lines. And so we meet here to go out there we go to the next slide, please. Here it is. These are the options. We can be a Benedictine or a Franciscan. We can hide away in the corner. Or we can recognize that actually, do you know what? While it is good to meet like this, and I say that you, you've, you, you can't do without the church, because the Franciscans still held to their rule of life, that actually you've got to hold to it for the sake of going out there for these people. We can go to the next slide, please, Ella. Because this is transforming Reading. That with everything that you do on your front line, for every kind word that you have for someone, for every cup of tea that you make for someone who's having a bad time, for every time you stand up for someone behind their back, this is what's happening. The love of Christ is seeping out into all the people that we encounter. This church uh, will run incredible ministry programs. It will support overseas missionaries. It will support missionaries here in the UK. But it's, it's a drop in the ocean compared to the impact that all of you will have on your front lines in these places. You are the church. And this is your front line. You are as commissioned in your place of work, wherever you like to hang out, as much as David is commissioned in his place of work as our vicar. If we can go to the next slide, please. I think sometimes we can fall into a trap where we think that only certain jobs might matter to God. And it's just subconsciously. So we might have in our heads um, maybe that vicars and Christianity or, or Christian charity workers are at the top. And then maybe, yeah, doctors, nurses, yeah, they, they, they matter to God. Teachers, yeah, they matter. Police officers, fine. But then we're moving down and we're like, mm, does a uni student matter to God? An accountant surely can't. Um, so all these different things that we might have in our heads to be like, well, yeah, clearly, like, you know, David's work matters and the other staff team at Greyfriars and the overseas missionaries, they matter and all that matters to God and, and the people who work in healthcare services, all that. That all matters to God. But Jesus says at the end of Matthew's gospel that it all matters. You're just as commissioned as David. You're just as commissioned as Alyssa or any other member of the staff team here at Greyfriars. The invitation is the same to you. It doesn't just say, 
if you are appointed to Christian ministry, then go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them and lead them into obedience. It's for all of us. It's a wide, generous, open invitation. And just before, it's, it's given to us as well, we're told that some of them doubted. That's how wide and open and generous this invitation is. If you're sat there thinking, how can I possibly go and witness on my front line to Christ? I have doubts. Or so did the disciples. It all matters. Every workplace, every university, every group chat, every trip to the pub, every family, every neighborhood, God cares about us being there. And many of you are already powerful witnesses of Jesus on your front lines, but you might just not know it yet. We can go to the next slide, please. Uh, And then the next one, sorry. Um, This is it. You're joining in on God's redemption mission. And over the next few Sundays to come, we're going to be learning about more of what this is. But it's a broken, fallen world that God makes. uh, And in the Garden of Eden, we see how creation is, is corrupted And then God starts to restore it. And he restores it all the way through the Bible, and he's still restoring it now. But it's still corrupted. Your office, your uni, your school, your hospital, wherever you are during the week, whatever your front line is is that you consider it to be, it's broken and fallen. And I probably don't have to convince you of that. You might know the ways that your front lines are oppressive and toxic at times. There might be some really good stuff about it that we want to affirm, and that's great. But ultimately, we know that it's not all that it could be. And in those places, with every faithful thing that you do, out of love for God and your neighbor, you are bringing about restoration. You are involved in restoration work. Because that's what this is. This is what the Great Commission is. This is what the invitation is. God is saying in these verses, when he says, go and make disciples, baptize them, lead them into obedience. God is saying, I am on a redemption mission, and now you are invited to join in. And that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. But remember, if you're hearing that and you're thinking, whoa, this is all way too much. It's not this. It's not 40 multicolored butterfly fairy lights. It's just a simple tea light. That's all it is. The rest of this series is going to look at how you can be making a difference on your front line. Um, But I just want to finish by telling you, please don't overcomplicate it. Know that, and I mentioned it earlier, but know that with every kind word that you offer, every spreadsheet that you diligently fill out in order to do a good job, with every time that you choose not to get involved in gossip that you hear going on about someone that nobody seems to like, you can bring about just a small part of restoration on your front line by choosing to be faithful in that moment. And that's why I say many of you will already be doing this. Because I I look out and I see a, a room full of faithful disciples but maybe you've never connected the things that you do there in, on your front line in that place to the Great Commission. You've never thought about the way that when you make a cup of tea for someone who's just been like absolutely hammered in a meeting in front of everyone, giving them a kind word is somehow playing into that discipling, baptizing, leading into obedience process, into that restoration process. 
we really want to give you the opportunity uh, to think about your front lines and where they are. Um, and so, David, can I ask you to come and spin this round like my game show assistant? Um, one of the things that we do during um, uh, Frontline Sundays is an activity called This Time Tomorrow. And what it is, is to give you the chance to think, what are we on? We're on 25 past 10. And I want you to come and think about where you're going to be at 25 past 10 tomorrow. Okay, so I've got, a map, I've got some maps of Reading here. I've gone down to Wokingham as well to include that. Where are you going to be at 25 past 10 tomorrow? In a moment, we're just going to move forward. Perhaps we could have some music playing at the, at, at, from, from the back, not the band, don't worry. Um, but as we, as we kind of yeah, play some music and we move forward, and we're going to have some push pins, put a pin where you're going to be at 25 past 10 tomorrow. Okay? So that might be um, on the way back from the school run. Uh, it might be in the office. Um, it might be looking after someone. Um, it might be that you've got a day off and you're just sat at home. Lucky for you. Um, but come and pop a pin in wherever you're going to be at 25 past 10 tomorrow because these are our front lines. We can go to the next slide again. So this is how it looks um, when it's in the model here. But we're going to create a real-life version of that, okay? So we're going to see where we really are at 10.25 on a Monday morning. And then once we've done that, I'm going to bring us back together to pray. So if we can do this by kind of like, if you're on this side of the church, can you kind of come into the middle aisle and come down, and then we can kind of have like an escape aisle down the side. Um, I've got some push pins. We'll have them over here. Just put them in the maps wherever you want. Um, yeah, and then I'll bring us back together in about five minutes. Okay. Okay. This is amazing. Please keep coming. We're getting loads of pins on our board for where we're going to be this time tomorrow, which I love to see. Um, we're going to worship now, and please don't think you have to stop. Please stay in the queue. Please still keep coming. I'm just going to pray very quickly for us. So, Lord Jesus, convince us that on our front lines, we have an invitation to be fruitful. And, Lord, help us strengthen us there to be faithful witnesses to you and bring about some of that grand restoration project. Amen. Let's worship. <laughs>